Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Christians, we are blessed because we are in the body of Christ. We sing the song, Salvation Has Been Brought Down. You know, God always leaves instructions for his people. He don't let us go half blind. He, um, he told, he wrote to Titus and he said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, not given to all men, appear to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness that we sh- ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So what are we doing while we're doing that? We're looking for the glorious hope, that one hope that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, the glorious hope, Right? That glorious hope in the appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he may redeem us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself for a particular, a peculiar people who is zealous of good works. Uh, I want to talk about this specific topic because of the world that we live in and how things is going right now. We need to talk about the eyes. This is going to be like a subject matter lesson here. I want to, I want to uh, speak on about our eyes, the physical and the spiritual. Okay? Well, first, I want to talk about the mechanics just briefly. Um... How does the eye and the brain process uh, visual information, right? The information from the retina uh, in the form of electrical signals uh, is sent by way of the optic nerve, right, to other parts of the brain, which ultimately process the image and allows us to see. Now, the other part is, how much does the eye tell the brain? By comparison, for you computer geeks out there, uh, the Ethernet. Everybody's eyes getting bigger when I say Ethernet. <laughs> and Ethernet can transmit information between computers at speeds of 10 to 100 million bits per second. My brother Sam know that when he was fixing computers. 
the retina is actually a piece of the brain uh, that has grown into the eye and, and possesses neural signals when it detects light. Now, look at God's creation. You see how I just described the eye, how fast it works. Now, I'm going to get to the spiritual part of the eye because without God's word, we would be uncontrollable. I don't know about y'all, but I know how it was before I got here. You know, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, I'm, matter of fact, I'm proud to let you know how I was. Some of y'all already know what I was like. But because of God's word, God's word could change anybody. If it could change me, trust me. Trust me, it could change anybody. Um, okay, I want to come from Matthew chapter 6. Verse uh, 22 and 23. Because the question I have for the audience is, how are your eyes? Ask yourself. How are your eyes? How are your eyes when you leave this building? When you go to work? When you're at home by yourself? All this here travels together. It never separates. Remember, God deals with our intellect, not how we look. He knows every string of hair on our head. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the uh, darkness? So in realm of, excuse me for a second, Sister Rose, can you give me a little small bottle of water? Those dry as, dry as the sand. Um, so in realm of the eyes, I want to deal with the, the evilness of it, but the first condition I want to speak on is the adulterous eyes. The adulterous eyes. And that will be coming from 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And most of you are familiar with this, this story here. The Bible says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to, to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbi. But David, thanks, bro. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the, of the roof. He saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, it's not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her and came unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her, to her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, 
I am with child. And David sent Joab, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. This is the King James Version, y'all. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? This is what Uriah said. Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into thy house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest and as thou soul liveth? I will not do this thing. So we have, we have here. We see that David had evil eyes of adultery at this time, and then he tried to find ways to cover up his sin by trying to get Uriah to go to his wife, but he would not. And as the story goes on, he even tries to get him, get him drunk so that he may go to his wife, but he still doesn't do it. So then David, he picks it up a little notch. He then sends them uh, to the hardest part of the battle. The hardest part there is, and he tells his men to draw back and allow him to be killed. And then David takes Bathsheba. Well, we, we, we go through some hoops and we try to get a woman, don't we? We just, we just, ain't, ain't, we just going straight forward, right? Uh, and of course, you no, know, God did not uh, go, he didn't let the sin go unpunished. Uh, as God tells David, his new baby will die. But notice what Jesus said about this topic. In Matthew 5, 27, he says, You have heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I know a whole lot of brothers wish that verse wasn't there. And I know a whole lot of sisters that wish that verse wasn't there. The envious eye, I'm going on through here. The envious eye, eager for, envious, desiring, wishing for, and hoping for, envious. First Samuel 18, 79. You remember, they sang to one another as they celebrated Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know how we get jealous. Oh, man, he getting all, he getting all, he getting all that, man, you know. They, he getting jealous now, right? And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David's ten thousand, and to me they ascribe thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? That's what he's saying. And Saul eyeballed him 
The Bible says, and Saul eyed David from that point on. Saul's jealousy, envy, and hatred of David, it would never diminish. No, if you got some people who have tempers, man, it's going to take the act of God to deal with them. I used to have one of those tempers. Look at this. He's trying to testify over there. <laughs> Dang. All right, sister, roll it out now. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Saul became envious of David because he killed so many people, and people were recognizing it, you know, for it. Uh, do we have any, do we have anybody in the room with those kind of eyes? Eyes of envy? Now you give somebody a hug and you just gritting your teeth, you wish they would die? Huh? Do we do you envy people and wish that you were them? You know how you watch those TV shows? They come up with all these different kind of shows and these stars, you know, and people want to be like them and uh, uh um they want to look like them, so they, they go and get plastic surgery to look to look more like them. Uh but notice what the book of Proverbs teaches about envy. In Proverbs 14:30, the Bible says in the King James Version, a tranquil heart, tranquil, T-R-A-N-Q-U-I-L, tranquil, which means peaceful, calm, quiet. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot, right? The Proverbs says in 23, verse 17, let not your heart envy sinners. Let me see that again. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. James has something to say about that. Being envious will lead to sin, according to James. In James 3.16, he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder. And every vow practice, every vow practice, every vow, vow means extremely unpleasant, you know, um, worthless, vow, wicked, good for nothing. You see, wisdom from above is full of fruits. The wisdom of the world is full of trouble and evil, disharmony. And all other kinds of evil, all all sorts of confusion from public squabbles like we had, uh, what, two years ago? Squabbling in the church parking lot, in the church, uh, personal tensions and frustrations. You know, that's sure to result when Christians, when we take the earthly wisdom road, this is what happens. We disconnect from God. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. The critical eye. The critical eye is a, is a, a demanding, negative, mental eye. Okay? Matthew 7 and verse 3 through 5, it says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank in his own eye? Jesus says, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then we'll, uh, we'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Years ago, though, I don't, I don't do that. No. I'm trying to do better. 
Now, see, it is easy. Now, this is the easy part here to act this way. It's, it's easy to be critical of others, right? Um, so many today find small things uh, that can uh, they can pick out on a person. They don't look for the good part. They look for the bad stuff. You know, they don't. They, I mean, so <clears throat> they 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 go as far as as far as they can break them down. Then they satisfied when they see them broke down. Their spirit is broken. Now they're happy. You know, um, uh, you really see this in politics, where they criticize one another so they can make each other look good. But the sad thing about it, you have it in the church too. You know, it's, it's there's Christians that are guilty as well. You know, instead of loving someone and trying to encourage them to do better, uh, they'll talk evil of that person. And they'll point out all the, the weak points. You know what I'm saying? The weak points. And it, they were even, and even when the person saying these things uh, have the same exact problem, the same weakness. I'm not going to call no names, but Oh, it don't make you a man. I mean, there's nothing weak about crying or being humble or apologizing or saying you're sorry. That don't make, I mean, you're not less of a man. Because you, you're, 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 you're built, don't make you a man. Okay? James 4, uh, verses uh, 11 through 12, uh, in reference to this, we, we must be careful not to have critical eyes as this will only cause problems and we'll, we'll stunt the growth of the church. Okay, we'll, we'll mess it up. Okay, uh, covetous, another condition. Covetous eyes. You know, having shown great, you know what that means, uh, prices of uh, something that belongs to somebody else, having desired somebody else's belongings. Covetous. Acts 8, verses, uh, verses um, 18 through 23. Simon, a wannabe magician, he uh, pretended to be a magician. You know the sin that he committed? He, um, he would have loved to have the ability to pass the Holy Spirit on. I don't know, I don't even know if he's trying to make some money, whatever. I don't know what it was, but the thing is, he coveted the word. He coveted, he had coveted. Um, but notice what Peter responses in Acts 8, verse 20 through 23. Uh, somebody want to get that? Acts 8, verse 20 through All right. Hold it right there. He's, what did he tell him to do? Did he tell him to get baptized again? He told him to repent, right? Why? All right. You see, this is another prominent, uh, prominent problem in our society with Christians. Okay. Uh. They, they covet and desire 
what their neighbors have, right? Or what they see others have on TV. All they can think about is how they could get, try to get their hands on that coveted possession. I don't know how many times I looked at TV, man, and say, I'm going to get the Medidas, man. You know, I got to get that run DMC. But Lord, I might have to rob somebody to get it. Well, I'm going to get that. <laughs> okay. Now, in, in Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, Paul says something here. He says, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetedness, they did not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Paul, again, in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have stayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The closed eye. The closed eye. That's in Matthew 13, verses 14 through 15. Here, many of the Pharisees during the first century had this problem. Um, they did not want to see the truth because they wanted to live in their own truth, right? A lot of people are like that today. They don't want to see what the Word of God says. Instead, they say something like, uh, then they go by the old philosophy. You know, if it feels good, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. It feels so good. In the way in the word, I can't be God. But notice what Jesus goes on to say about those who don't have a closed eye to the truth. Matthew 13, 16, 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For shortly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You see, sometimes Christians who were once faithful uh, had their eyes open, but now they got them shut again. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 1, 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things of hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And also in Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarded that diligently seek him. So, if you want to have the kind of eye that are pleasing to God, you must have faithful eyes. It ain't going to be mystical and tristical and try to sound all You have to have faithful eyes. Faithful eyes. Remember that first verse that was read at the beginning of the lesson about the eyes. Hebrews 11, 8 and 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Right? By faith, he, he dwelt in the land of promise as in foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was uh, which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now, after all these faithful people are mentioned, the Hebrew writer concludes, he concludes by saying, and you all familiar with it because Chris talked about this last Sunday. Wherefore, therefore, Hebrews 12, 1, we also, since we 
are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay? We're almost closing here. Sympathetic eyes. Sympathetic eyes. Now, this is the part that got me when I first became a Christian. You know, I thought, you know, you come a member of the Church of Christ, you know, I didn't know what a Christian was. I come from the family of Islam and revolutionists, you know, uh, Black, the Black Panther. That's my family. So I decided to become a Christian, man, and I ran into some Christians, and some of them, I started talking to some of them, and they're like rough on the edges. Or something that I know, you know, I'm looking for something different, but got attitudes, you know, they're not easy to talk to. You know, you're supposed to be easy to talk to, and anybody should be able to talk to you. You shouldn't have an attitude with people when somebody's talking to you. You know, snappy, you know, snap, snapshots, you know, talking crazy, stuff that you already know about. People are be, be peculiar people, but we acting like them thugs on the street. I used to be a thug. I ain't going to lie. Dope fiend, alcoholic. I used to rob people. I used to do all that stuff. Then I come into Christ and everybody trying to act like the thugs on the street. Like they got something to prove. You hear people say, oh, man. I wish I was from the projects. Don't you hear ignorant stuff like that? Sympathetic eyes. Showing sympathy and being empathetic, comforting, and, and considerate to people. You know what I mean? Um, sympathetic eyes. To show sympathy to another person shows that you love and care about their well-being. We have an example of this in John, uh, in 2 John, actually. No, John 11 where Lazarus has been dead for four days, right? And his sister, uh, Martha and Mary, they were grieving. They were going through something, right? And Jesus had sympathy for them because of the loss of the loss of their brother. Even though he knew he was going to raise them, uh, the tears of sympathy were a display of Jesus' love. Jesus' loving heart toward these women. Do you have sympathy for people when they when they lost a loved one or whatever? They got lost their job or went to jail or something. You know, some of us laugh and we talk about them, but we know what God says about that. We should have sympathy for those around us uh, if we truly love for one another. Uh, when Paul was describing the church as a human, a human body, he said in First Corinthians twelve twenty six, he said. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Some of us get jealous, though. I've seen that before in the church. Oh, man, he think he all that, man. He's, man, he think just, why he got to do communion? How can I, I mean, some brothers, they don't want to do nothing unless they're on the scene, unless they're on the spot. What's wrong with uh, just being the doorman, opening the door or something? You know, do we have any sisters here that have, have y'all argued about what y'all want to do in the kitchen, whatever? Oh, he's, 
She's cooking the steak. How come I got to do this here? I'm just making stuff up. I don't know. I'm just throwing it in the wall to see if it sticks. Uh, okay. I lost where I was at. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. That's why I write my stuff down, man, because you know I, I take off. And First Corinthians, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, he said, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So, not only should we show sympathy to those in the church, we should have sympathy for those who are lost, just as Jesus did uh, in Matthew uh, 23 and 17. I, mean, I, I think I better read that real quick. Do I got time? Can I preach the midnight? Okay. You know, it's my first one, so it's going to take a little while, okay? Okay, Matthew 23 and 37. It says, uh, Matthew 23 and, and 37. I really want to read this. He said, here's Jesus himself. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would you have, I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathering her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Can you see the love? Of, can, can you, as Jesus talks, can you, you feel it? Can you really feel it? You're just saying it. Okay. All right. You see what I'm trying to say? You, I mean, you see, you see the sympathy that he has? That, that, that being one of us, we probably would have struck him dead. Hopeful eyes. Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. Uh, when you go home, read that. For real, read, read 8, Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. Because these are the kinds of eyes that every Christian should have because no matter what we go through in this life, we can have hope. A home in heaven. In Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Paul said, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Remember in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples were standing there when he had, after they had the meeting and they were standing there gazing up into heaven and the angel asked, why are you standing there gazing up to heaven? The same kind of body we're going to have when we go up. Uh, to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. So let us never forget the hope we have of living eternally into the heavens. Don't get, dis don't get distracted. Finally, open eyes. Having open eyes means that you are willing to grow as a Christian. A person with open eyes is not stuck in their ways and uh, willing to consider new concepts that they have never heard of. The type of person is one who does not say, I know it. Uh, I know it all. And, and nothing you can say will ever change my mind. We have biblical examples of those who open, who open eyes in the New Testament. And that is in Acts chapter 17, Verses 10 through 12, and this is familiar. Um, over there in Acts 17, the Bible says, Then the brethren, 
immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. I think the King James Version says uh, more noble, right? Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to see if they were so. Therefore, many of the, them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women, as well as men. So be like the Bereans and keep an open mind and test everything against what the Bible says. If you're not a Christian, if you have not obeyed the gospel, if you did not took a spiritual bath, uh, if you have not gotten to that water, you are not a Christian right now. Let me tell you, first, you must hear the word of God. John 5, 24 and 25. Hearing produces faith. You must believe what you heard. Romans 10, 17. You must repent. Luke 13 and 3. You must confess. Romans 10, 8 and 10. Then you must be baptized. Acts 2, verse 36 and 39. Jesus, remember this. God gave the word. I think that's 68. Psalm 68, 11. God gave the word. And great was the company of them that published it. God gave it. Jesus said himself, it is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Okay? Now, let me just say this here. I want to reenact baptism real quick. Because somebody asked me the other day at work, what is baptism? Oh, wait. Okay, this is what it is. The Spirit, through the Word, the Spirit, through the Word, leads one to water. Right here. He goes down in that water, believing on Jesus, Christ crucified. When he goes down into water, when he goes down into the water, that is where he is reaching the death of Christ. He makes contact with the blood. You can't see what's in the water. It looks clear. But this is the work of God. In Colossians, Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are, wherein you are risen with him, what? Through the faith and operation, King James Version, of God. God operates. This ain't man's work. This is God's work. God is operating on you. Once you believe what you heard, you establish some faith. Now God can work with you. If you go down in this water, not believing Christ was crucified, that he is the son of God, you just got wet. 
And when you come up out of that water, you come out a new creature in Christ. Every sin that you have just did and passed from the, every sin you committed this morning and back is gone. That is what you call being born again. When you go into that water, that is called um, calling on the Lord. You know, some people say, I'm calling the Lord. No, you're calling by doing something. You're calling on the Lord by getting into this tank. Okay? That's calling on the Lord. And then uh, somebody gets, somebody get uh, quickly uh, Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. And then we're going to sing a song invitation. This is, what, this, is, this is God's work. This is all God's doing. Somebody read that when they get it. Colossians 1, when he translates. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Redemption. In him. See, you're in Christ. When you get baptized, you are actually in Christ. You are now a Christian. Those who have not been baptized scripturally, you're not a, you're not a Christian yet. We could talk later after this. I, I, I'm not scared of the word of God. I will have a study with you because the Bible belongs to us. We should be teaching folks exactly what the Bible says. So, won't you come as we stand and sing the song invitation? Yield not to temptation for but victory will have there'll be some other to well, won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Fine, man, fully over Tomorrow is not promised.